The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another episode here at the um, Kick Pie Podcast, the podcast dojo for inspirational martial arts talk. I'm your host, TJ Williams, fourth degree black belt of the Chuck Norris system. Here to give you the insight of my martial arts journey, discussing and analyzing martial arts-based subjects, and highlight individuals involved in martial arts of all styles, past, present, and future. All right, for those who just joined me for the first time, this is a pre-recorded episode, so whatever I talk about in this episode is either coming up or it's already passed, in which I'm going to start off by saying hope everybody had a wonderful easter uh have time spending time with your family and friends and for those who don't celebrate easter well at least you can be happy with the three days off you had because i know most people were off on good friday like me so i had a three-day weekend but nevertheless um happy easter to everybody that um is out there in the world and lastly uh, if you um, listen to my previous um, episode, I did mention that um, I was on a quest of going for a fifth degree black belt in the Chuck Norris system in which I did get the thumbs up. So I'll be going for a fifth degree and um, at the convention, which will be held in Las Vegas in July. So I'm looking forward to that. I've been pretty much working on the performance to do in front of the board members as well as um, Grand Master Norris. And after the performance, I'll be able to have my opportunity to walk up on stage and get my jacket put on by Grandmaster Chuck Norris himself. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm excited. I mean, but right now I'm just worried about getting to that point. So I'm not just I'm excited about the situation. So I'm going crazy. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, so I do have a guest with me um, this episode. I mean, originally I was supposed to have um, two um, guests, but one guest had priorities that he had to deal with. So it's best to always go with your priorities the first than to go with the other things. So at least this other guest is um, humble enough to be on my show. All right, so I'd like to introduce um, Randy uh, Dofat. So he's from Kitchener, um, Ontario, Canada, which is a hour and a half drive for me. So likely if I wanted to, I'd like to go up to a studio and like get a little training. So I'm free to at least train with others' um, Christ styles, at least perfect my own Christ style. So uh, so i like to have introduce him to my show. So I guess he has a lot to say. So how you doing, Randy? I am so good. Thank you for that warm introduction and good luck on your, uh, your test. I have some advice for you. Don't look too far ahead. Just focus on what you got to do now. You know, that's the martial arts thing, right? If you think too far ahead, it's going to freak you out maybe. So, but yeah. you're going to crush it. So yeah. cool. You can meet Grandmaster Norris. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. So I usually tell my students when it comes to self-defense, you know, I mean, your goal is to get, go home, but your uh, mindset is what am I going to make it home? So you got a lot to think about. As soon as you walk out of that door, you got to think about like who's going to be out there when you're getting in that car or when you're driving. So, yeah. So that's the mindset that I give my students. And I love it. 
Love it. Okay, Randy, can you um tell the um the listeners like your current status? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I do. Uh, I'm a lifetime practitioner of Shoronru Karate Jitsu. Uh, specifically, our our version of that is Legacy Shoronru Karate Jitsu. I'm a seventh degree black belt in that system, and I've been awarded my Kyoshi, my teaching license of Kyoshi level. Uh, the person who founded that my is my direct sensei. His name is Gary Legacy, Hunchy Gary Legacy. He's a tenth on, and he started that in 1970. So way back, right? Like um, before I was even born. Even though I you, nobody can see me on the podcast, even though I look so youthful, but I'm actually in my 50s. So yeah, so I'm a seventh in in that, and I also have been practicing Iaido for 30 years. It's my going into my 31st year. For people who don't know what Iaido is, that's uh, um, the art of drawing the sword, cutting with the sword, and resheathing the sword, uh, the Japanese sword, the katana. Um, and my teacher in that is the person who is supposed to be on the podcast with us today. His his name is Nicholas Suino, and I'm a fourth end in that system. So, yeah, that's my current status. That's where I am, and yeah. Yeah, it's always great to study all these martial arts styles. It's like you've got an indemnity for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, uh, TJ, one thing I should also mention is uh, I don't want to overlook other people who have helped me, but uh, for the last year, I've been doing BJJ as well. I just started doing BJJ. I started at 50 and I've been doing it now for about a year. And, uh, you know, Coach Nadison and Coach Calvin, they're great guys. They've been helping me and I'm an exalted one stripe white belt, which (laughs) I love. Right. It's fun to be a beginner. Uh, yeah, so that definitely with my style with the Chuck Norris system, we started incorporate BJJ, but we're more of calling it like street combatives. So yeah, right. we're kind of gearing that to like self defense. Um, so mostly like when I don't have um classes, I usually have like um like a Tuesday session with uh, another black belt from Texas, which is in our um style. He, he kind of does like a almost two hour um session, but unfortunately his um Zoom is like forty minutes. So but we at least get enough to. Uh, of um Brazilian jiu-jitsu um lessons there so that we can like teach to our students because um yeah like I said we're incorporating that in our style and in our black belt testing so that's yeah we're kind of evolving yeah well great master Norris is somebody who is way ahead of the curve on that he was he had adopted that and was working on that long before uh mainstream was ever uh interested in it even yeah all right all right so this is what we're gonna do randy you're going because you're gonna bring us back in time so before all this started for you so what would this what would you say how would you were how was you before you get into martial arts like who were you uh so uh i have a very large family um my extended family specifically so my father has eight brothers and three sisters and my mom has uh seven brothers and one sister so i got dozens and dozens of cousins and we all grew up within blocks of each other so it wasn't like the family wasn't spread out across the country it was like in a 10 block radius so I grew up all the time with lots of family around me um having said that uh, a lot of my family was colorful uh by colorful I mean you know maybe they walked the line they were below the line or over the line uh involved in the motorcycle culture uh of the time um but really great people. They, I always had lots of love in my life and I always had lots of support when I was younger. Um, but I did come from a split family. So my parents split when I was very young. And as a result of that, if you ask me to describe myself when I was young, I had used two words, scared and angry, right? As I was uh, 
scared and and just irritated because I didn't understand why my parents had split or what was going on. And because of the family that was around me, uh, a lot of them were were macho men, tough guys. And, you know, so they wanted me to be a macho man, tough guy. You got to kind of fall into that mold. Um, and, you know, when I say scared, like, what if I can't do what they do? Like, these guys were larger than life to me. So, um, but then when I got to high school, I got really heavily involved in athletics. I started playing football, running track, lifting weights, powerlifting. Um, and that's where really like some really positive influences came into my life. Uh, in particular, one person in his name is Don Hollerhead. He was my football coach and my phys ed teacher in high school. And he was a person who was always whispering in my ear, you know, Randy, you're different. You're a leader. Um, you're different. And I never could understand why he thought I was a leader. And I remember asking him once, like, coach, why do you think I'm a leader? And he said, it's not what you say. It's what you do. You never turn back on runs. When I ask you to do 10 of something, you always do 10. If you can't do something, you keep trying at it until you get it right. Um, yeah. And so when I was young, that's what I, I was a scared young person with a loving family, but like scared to make, I couldn't make the, uh, the cut with them uh, angry because my parents had split and I couldn't understand that. But then, you know, transitioned luckily into high school and uh, competitive sports and having really positive influences around me at that time. And that's what I would say I was before I started doing martial arts. Yeah. That kind of almost sounds like my life. Like I played football and done track and field and, you know, I always kind of felt like scared and angry, you know, mostly I never knew why I was angry. I guess I, I felt like it was my condition of um, ADHD. You know, I was very like um, hyperactive. And the fact is that, that I started getting into martial arts and sports. I mean, I felt like um, I kind of matured out of that. And like, I felt less angry and less um, scared. Like nowadays, it's like, instead of me backing out of opportunities that come my way, you know, I actually go, go for it. Like, really, it's like, I don't care if I win or lose. And just think, speaking of that, your, um, your coach was kind of your, um, the person you look up to, you're like your inspirationer. And like that same thing with my coach, you know, he, the one thing he always said to the people like to us, like our competitors say you either win or lose by an inch. So that's all it takes. Uh, that's usually what he tells us y'all you either win or lose by an inch but yet you get better by the inch yeah I agree with that that's that's interesting I'm gonna think about that after like you get better by an inch incremental progress is what we all want right like yeah. if you're making incremental progress then you're progressing <laughs> right. yeah definitely all right so what would you say the one event that got you interested in martial arts and um what was that what was that push that got you started yeah, so that's also an interesting question. Uh, the the interesting thing about that is, as I've been thinking about that, um, I've thought about like other martial artists that I've met, and one martial artist in particular that he talks about. He's a big believer in reincarnation, and I don't know if I believe in reincarnation, but it's very interesting that I don't. Even when I was young, I don't remember a time when I didn't want to be a martial artist, like ever. Like I never remember a time. So, so that's what I mean when there's not this event where like a lot of people would say stuff about, I saw something on TV or I no, I just always wanted to be a martial artist. Like when I was little, little kid, like six, seven years old, 
I was always kicking and punching and like, you know, jumping around and like saw myself as a martial artist. I didn't even know what the country of Japan was or Asia at that time. Right. Like I, I had no idea, but I, I knew that. Um, so then the thing though, when I got my first image of a martial artist and the thought, Oh, it would be so cool to be a person like that is a person named Johnny Terrio. I don't know if you've ever heard of Johnny Terrio. He's, a prolific kickboxer um, from Canada. He's probably the greatest kickboxer of all time. He had, uh, if you go Google his name or go on YouTube, you can see some highlight reels of him. He had 73 fights. Um, he won 69 of them and he knocked out 63 people. So he's, yeah, he's extreme power in both hands and feet. Uh, Johnny Terrio, the Iceman, that was his uh, moniker. And I've since I've got, I had a chance to meet him, he's a friend of mine now. Um, but I remember when I was 13, my stepdad said, you know, you're always kicking and punching. You say you want to be a black belt. You say you should have a look at this fight that's coming on, on TV. And I sat there with my stepdad and watched it. And I watched him and just the way he moved. And I was like, man, if I could just even be a shadow or a version of that, that's that's what I want to be. So that was the moment when, you know, I had an image in my mind of what I wanted to be like as a martial artist. And, you know, probably it was also when I looked at him, I thought nobody messes with that guy. He's not scared, right? That guy's not scared. He walks down the street. He's not, he's not afraid. Nobody's taken anything from him. And, um, but then what it connected me with my teacher, my sensei, Gary Legacy, was just a random event. And again, like, I don't know if that's fate or I was gone to university as the University of Western Ontario. I was 18 years old and I was standing in a dorm room in the first week of school. And a person that I would have had. OK, so when I went to school at the school I went to, I was fairly affluent and I was not affluent. I was like probably lower maybe upper lower class. That's how I could categorize myself, right? Like upper lower class. Um, so I had like long hair. I was wearing rock jerseys. I had tattoos at a time when it wasn't fashionable to have tattoos. And uh, the person that brought me to martial arts was this guy who's like penny loafers and a pastel shirt and really clean cut, and really preppy looking. Um, and he was listening to my conversation and he said, you need to meet this guy. And I said, oh, yeah, who, what, what are you talking about, man? Like what? And he said, this guy, I just started doing karate last night. You would love this karate teacher. I've been listening to you talk. You would love this karate teacher. And then inside of myself, I was like, I, this is my chance. I could do karate. I could go start doing that thing that I didn't even think I could do that here. And the next night I walked with him to the karate class and the rest is history. That's, that's, I Never stopped doing karate with that teacher since that first night that I went there. Yeah, amazing. It's like that was like your push. You're like, you need to like get yourself started. You know, that's kind of right. like same how I was. Like, really, I was, I kind of got drooned into karate mostly from watching TV, watching Chuck Norris, Bruce Lee, and like all the any karate movie that I feel like that was like my inspiration to get started. And it, it's my surprise when I started. I like I went started at school. I mean, I for me, I thought it was like Taekwondo or some style. You know, I just followed everything while I was being taught. Then I see all these pictures of Chuck Norris on the wall, and I'm thinking that Chuck Norris actually taught at the school. But it was like around this that time I started. 
uh, Chuck Norris was doing Walker, Texas Ranger. So I say that was impossible for him to come to the school and teach. But it's like, it's good that I actually am trained in the style of Chuck Norris. And, you know, a lot of people are just like wondering, like, does Chuck Norris actually have a style? And it's like people are either convinced or not. But mostly his style is like derived from uh, Tang Sudo, which was like Korean. So I know he did Korean um, martial arts when he was in the army. So that was the story behind that. So, yeah, so yeah. I read his book when I was like 14 years old, his biography, which was because I would just read anything about martial arts that I could before I was even a martial artist. So, yeah, didn't mean to cut you off there, TJ, but. Oh, no, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. So really, it's like. Now you have like the internal inspiration of martial arts. Like for me, it was just like, I just didn't want anybody to mess with me. Cause you know, that's people are just finding their targets to bully around. But yet nowadays it's just like, you know, I'm not trying to be tough. You know, I'm trying to be an inspiration out there. You know, there's so many people out there that are angry with themselves as well as angry and jealous of people. You know, I just want to help them out. Right, so, yeah. I'm there with you, man. I'm the same spot. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what would you say your first memory of your um, first lesson would be? Yeah, so that's uh, it's still vivid. Like the first day I walked into the dojo, it's still it's vivid in my mind because, you know, I'm 18. I'm athletic. I've been running track. I've been playing football. I lift weights. I'm strong at that point. You know, in my life, I could bench 315 pounds. I was squatting like 400 and something pounds. And I walked in and I just thought, mm, you know, I want to be a martial artist, but I wasn't thinking, you know, people in there were going to be handing it to me. And when I saw Sense of Legacy, you could just tell instantly he was a different kind of human being, right? He just totally confident, carried himself a totally different way. And when he clapped his hands and said, line up, there was like, I don't know, 60 people in that room. They there was no hesitation from the time he clapped and said, line up to the time that everybody was in line standing at attention was like seconds. I was a new person kind of standing and somebody had to grab me and pull me into the line because I didn't know what I was doing. And that night was like a demo night. So that was the night at the university where they were trying to demonstrate what karate was. So we could all either sign up and like it or not. And I remember watching the basics and not really understanding what they were or how, how that type of movement would apply to defending yourself. Like I can remember that vividly, right? Today, I understand it a lot better. Um, I remember seeing the katas and thinking that's really interesting. Like you, watching the katas and just, that was when I was watching it going, Oh, I could see where you might be like, okay, blocking and hitting somebody or like, okay, there's maybe a sweep or, Obviously, when somebody throws a kick, you're like, okay, well, that must be intended to hit somebody. It's a mid-level kick. must be intended to hit them mid-level, right? So I found the katas to be really interesting, as well as just the athleticism of the people doing them. They are all in good shape. Um, everybody was dressed the same, which I thought was cool. Like, at least in our club, it's always white uniforms. Everybody was dressed that way. They all very simple, uniform, just one crest, not like tons of tons of stuff. But then the thing that really stood out to me was the fighting. When they started to fight, I was like, okay, well, let's see what's going to happen here. And, you know, the beginning fights were like, you know, I'm watching white belt fight a yellow belt and thinking, okay, that's a little herky jerky. And, um, 
And then, you know, you see some green belts and some blue belts and purple belts fight and it's looking a little cleaner and a little more deadly and then watch a couple of brown belts fight. And then that's where I was like, okay, I don't want to mess with these people, right? Like I don't want to mess with these brown belts. Like these, these people are going to hand it to you. And then the black belts started to fight. And then I was like, just on my ass thinking like, holy crap, but had I seen the, these people on the street, I would have thought I was tougher and stronger than them. Right. Like, yeah. but now seeing them fight with each other, I'm like, oh, I was blown away. And in particular, there was a woman there. She was a fourth degree black belt and she is pretty and blonde and kind of thin. And since legacy called a man up who is a black belt, they're both black belts. And I was thinking, you know, you got to remember this is back in the eighties. So I'm like, yeah, hey, let's see what's going to happen here. This girl, she killed that guy. I mean, he was trying so hard and she beat him up so badly, <laughs> right? And I just, that stuck with me. And I just thought, I got to learn how to do this. Like, I, I have to be here. But, you know, TJ, I didn't think I could be a black belt. I didn't have that confidence inside myself. I just thought, if I could be a brown belt, that would be so cool. If I could be here long enough to achieve a brown belt, I would be so excited that I, I will have achieved something really good if I could get a brown belt here. Yeah, so I mean, one thing you know, you can't force these students to like try to pursue the black belt because I know, for well, for me, speaking of experience, I mean, don't doing four black belt tests, physical black belt tests. I mean, I could right. pretty much tell them that they probably wouldn't like get even get through like half the tests, like especially with all the things that we're putting on the test now, because you know it's like everything's been involving. You know, you want it to be endurance wise, other than being knowledge expressing your knowledge of uh, martial arts right 100 percent. yeah and when you talk about history it's like i say it's always best to know the history behind martial arts to know how to fight better agreed i i that's what i got my degree in was history yeah i went to school for history that's what i have my degree in. my ba is in history so yeah that's always that indemnity to have history and like be a historian in martial arts and then you know exactly like how to fight even like out of instinct, even if it's traditional or non-traditional. Agreed. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's kind of get into your like um, first black belt test. Can you remember like out of all the styles you took and like, what was like uh, your most memorable black belt test? Well, honestly, uh, TJ, I've only been in two styles, right? My whole life I've been with the same teacher. I've only had Gary legacy as my teacher and Sensuino and Iaido, and those things are totally different arts, right? Like, there one has a one is empty-handed art where it's just you, and the other one is you got a sword in your hand, right? Like you're you're working a sword. Um, Legacy Shroner is known to be um, very practical, hard. We don't give black belts away um, easily. It's funny because when I went to Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, the coaches there, I didn't say anything that I even did martial arts. I just went and started training and then they caught on really fast that I right and then they found out really quick and they asked me the question how long in your club does it take to get a black belt and I said oh like it's gonna take uh, a person who trains diligently multiple times a week it's gonna take them six or seven years to get a black belt in our system right and so my black belt test you're asking me about mine but there are that's one of the things I'm really proud to stand with the black belts and legacy Schroeder because we've all done the same type of a test, right? It's not like, Oh, this person got special treatment. This person got a modified test. This person, 
No, we've pretty much, you know, whether you're man, woman, child, whatever the color of your skin is, we, we all do the same test. And the test is you come in and you're in front of a panel of high-ranking black belts from the different schools and legacy shortenery, like the, the heads of those schools. And then there'll be, I don't know, 20, 25 black belts in the room, like from first degree black belt, like all the way through, right? Um, so then you'll have to do, you have to perform your basics, basics maybe for 45 minutes or so, all your basic movements. Um, then throughout that, they'll be asking you questions. Uh, some of them are opinion-based questions. What do you think of this? Who's the founder of the style? Some are like factual questions. Who's the founder of the style? Um, then you start doing kata. Um, when I graded, there were other people grading at the same time as me. Um, so we did some katas collectively, like as a group, like in a small group, three, four people in a small group. And then farther along, maybe only two people. And then as you get near the end of your program, because we have to do 16 forms in order to be able to uh, qualify for Shodan. So by the time you get to the 16th form, the last four or five, you're just on, in, on the floor by yourself. Like you're out on the floor by yourself doing those forms. Um, again, more questions, more. After that, though, we were asked to uh, pair up. And then a higher ranking or one of the Udanch or one of the heads of one of the schools would come with us. And we had to demonstrate the applications of the kata in a more chaotic type of a situation. So, you know, it's great to be able to do kata athletically and look good while you're doing it. It's also more important that you can apply those katas against another human being when they put their hands on you. That And I want to be clear, our katas are not just punch kick katas like it's punch, it's kick, there's elbows, there's knees, there's takedowns, there's, it's, there's throws, it's all in there. So have to demonstrate that. Then at that time, uh, there were self-defenses that we had to do, particular self-defenses that we had to demonstrate, um, 24 of them that I had to do. And then you get to the sparring section, and the sparring section is where um, – I had to fight 24 fights in a row. So, you know, you're, you're usually doing pretty good in the beginning. You're feeling okay. Like, you know, but if you're fighting 24 fights in a row, like that shark tank type of experience, you're not like, you're going to go from doing okay to surviving to getting your butt handed to you. And how are you dealing? And that we want to see how do you, how do you handle that? Like, how, when you win, how do you win? What's your ego like as you're winning and doing well? When you're surviving, what? how tenacious are you? Are you still in there trying? And then when you're losing, when you're getting your butt handed to you, how are you taking that? Are you still humble and respectful and trying? Or are you getting frustrated and irritated? And then at the end of that, I was told, okay, you can go outside now. And I remember going outside and hanging over this railing and uh, getting sick to my stomach and crying and then blood is coming out of my nose and my lip and feeling the best I'd ever felt my entire life. Like with the tears and the crying and the blood coming out of my nose. And then the world was instantly different after that black belt test. Everything was always different after that black belt test. Nothing was ever the same. Just a simple example would be you go to the dojo like the next week and Sensei Legacy says, okay, Randy, you're up. I want you to fight this person. 
And you're like, what, just one person? Okay, like just, I just got to fight one time. Okay, that's, that's okay. So that was my black belt test. That's what it was like. Um, and they've all been some version of that, right? Yeah. Uh, honestly, that sounded like my last black belt test that, that I did. The, uh, and just think about it, the, the day that I'm doing the, um, your podcast is actually the day that I did my um, last black belt test. It's been four years. So, yeah. So what, everything you just said about your black belt test, I'm thinking about my own black belt test. And and when you say you have to apply your uh, your katas into like a self-defense um, situation, uh, I know you're familiar with this guy, Ian Abernathy. And yep. what was, what's the number one, what's the one word that he specializes in? Well, application, bunkai, is that what bunkai. you mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's like when you were talking about that, I immediately thought of him in Abernathy, and I actually took two seminars with him. So yeah, he's basically taking like a piece of a kata and like t- turn, taking the moves, and you know, a move can be not a, like to say a, a simple block. It could, it can't just be a simple block. It could be like a break or even a strike. So yeah, right. yeah, Ian, Ian, uh, he and I have communicated a little bit with each other. I call him Ian because he doesn't like to be called. He doesn't like the traditional titles. He just likes people to use his first name. Um, so Ian, the one thing he said in conversation, and people have probably heard him in podcasts, and the kata is there to teach you where you need to be in relation to the opponent, not where the opponent is in relation to you, right? So it's you need to be able to take that application in whatever direction the kata is going and then just apply it when the person comes at you, not not ask them to move to your left this only works if you move to my left can you move to the left please so i can do my kata on you right no (laughs) yeah so yeah that's pretty much how he's told us when he we did a seminar so yeah like you said your move is telling you where he is so yeah and that hand is controlling him love Uh, that guy yeah definitely yeah, like I wish I'd get another seminar from him. Like, really, he's he's wonderful. If he ends up coming back in Vegas, like a couple years, I mean, I, I'd be good with that. I'll go. Yeah, get him on your podcast. I want to get him on ours too. Oh yeah, so yeah. I've been... All right, so a couple more questions before we get into our hidden dojo um segment. All right, okay. So, who would you look up to in this journey, and what inspirational quote best describes your journey? Um. It won't be a surprise, right? Like everybody, I don't, because I've always had the same teacher. The person I look up to the most is uh, Sensei Gary Legacy. You know, he has a, a a colorful background. He doesn't come from like privilege. He had a lot of adversity, um, but he is a super intelligent person. He is a freak athlete. Like, I mean, a freak athlete. When he was 14 years old, he threw a football 75 yards when he was 14. You know, there's NFL quarterbacks who can't throw a football that far, right? Like, he is a freak athlete. He's super principled and disciplined, extremely honest, um, lover of the martial arts. Like, his, you know, people say, oh, we're going to do this one more time. His famous thing is, we're just going to do it three more times. And then you do it 17 more times, right? Like, um, so confident about what he knows, so skilled at what he knows. I just, I still look up to him. Uh, like crazy 77 years old now and when you see him if you you would never believe he's 77 years old you just wouldn't believe it right he's still on the floor he's still moving around active you would not want him to kick or punch you 
Um, like on a, in a physical level, he's still as capable as you possibly could be. Um, yeah. And, you know, in a lot of ways for me, uh, TJ, when, when my father passed away and through that, he really filled that void for me. He's like a very much like a father to me. Um, and I look up to him and respect him so much. And Nicholas Fino, I don't want to, Nicholas Fino to me is like that much older brother who's always like helping you out, challenging you in a way that other people can't challenge you. You, I wouldn't accept the challenge from some people that I accept from him when he says things to me. And, and it's not just about Iaido, it's about life with these two people. It's not like, it's not just that they teach me to kick or punch or how to draw a sword or how to cut with a sword. They teach me about life. Right. And I just, uh, said to Sweeno when Nicholas Sweeno, I like to say about him, anybody who's done something when he does it, he does it better than everybody who ever did it before him. So if he opens the door and walks into a room, he opens that door better than anybody who ever opened that door before. These are, I'm so blessed to have them in my life. I love them both so much and I'm so lucky to have them in my life. I wish everybody could have that in their life. Um, yeah. And so then the quote, yeah, yes, it's on the wall behind me. I know it, this is an audio podcast, so people won't be able to see it. But my students, I say it so often that they, they got it on a plaque and they put it on the wall. And uh, I don't know where I ripped this off from. It's not mine. It, I don't know who quoted it, but uh, um, it's how you do anything is how you do everything. Right. How you do anything is how you do everything. And a lot of people take that to mean, oh, well, man, like I'm I'm good. I'm good at this. So I'm good at everything. No, go to the thing that you do the worst. Right. Like think about the thing you need to make the most progress on. That's how you do everything. You got to make that same amount of progress on all the other things. So how you do anything is how you do everything. And don't leave the details out. Like don't don't walk out of the house with your shoelaces untied. Right. Like don't, yeah. right. Don't get in your car without adjusting the mirrors. Don't like, don't let the simple things just slide by. Cause you think you're too good. Do yeah. all the stuff, do everything right. And then everything will go good and you'll get better and you'll progress and you'll grow. Uh, yeah. That's, that's definitely a good quote. Just thinking about it. You know, you know, I kind of, kind of prep myself for my, my job, that new job that I just got about a couple months ago, you know, Definitely all the things that we do in my, in my department, it's almost like I'm cooking. It's like I kind of prep myself for that job without thinking about it because everything we do to, for like, say, we, we do baffles. So for me, right. the, it's almost like putting baffles together. It's like putting a sandwich together. So I'm usually good putting sandwiches together and even mixing the glue. It's like I'm like uh, mixing pancake mix. So <laughs> so pretty much I was prepared for it. <laughs> Like exhaust baffles, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, like almost baffles. like yeah. So our company like um, builds like materials for like the military and um, aviation companies, and okay. like yeah, and yeah, airplanes. So yeah, excellent. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our um, hidden dojo segment of the um, interview. So this is where we learn the fun parts of uh, our guests here, Randy. So, uh, so are you ready for this? I am ready. Yes. All right, so this is going to be a two-part question. All right, what's the best um, advice you ever gotten and who said it? Okay, best advice I ever got is, again, from my, my teacher, Sensei Gary Legacy. He said, the best title you'll ever have in martial arts is student because that's the title that's going to get you everything else in martial arts 
If you're not a student first, you're not going to get anything else, right? And you yeah. always have to be a student. You have to carry that title always. A student of martial arts, a student of a person. Yeah, it kind of reminds me is this, like, no matter how many championships you've won, you're still a challenger. That's right. Yep. Same thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And next question, uh, the worst advice you've ever gotten? Man, I've been thinking about that one. Um, I don't know. I guess, I guess the, you know, I can't think of a person, but I can think, you know, um, when the advice is uh, to do more than you should do, right? The more than you're capable of doing at that time or more um, placing, I guess what I'd say, I'll say it this way better, placing more importance than you should, right? For instance, oh, on victory, right? Don't place too much importance on that. Or I'm failing. Don't place too much importance on that, right? Like, and a lot of times people are like, oh, you lost. You lost that tournament. You failed that grading. You, right? Oh, you must feel terrible. You must, no, like, no, that's bad advice. You don't know. Yeah. You, you pick it up and you go again. Or, oh, you won that big tournament. You, you're a seventh degree black belt. You must be, no, that's a bad thought. That's a bad way to think, right? Like, no, I'm still just the same guy on the same journey that I was on 35 years ago, trying to achieve similar results. Yeah. So I don't know if that's bad advice, but I think you get the sentiment of what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So kind of like uh, you're still going for goals. Like you go at the well, one goal, you try and go for another, like, they say, like, like I would say, like, uh, take every opportunity that there's out there, it's big or small, because that can build like your resume, your, your, uh, yeah, your profile. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much all right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, guilty pleasure. How would you reward yourself? Uh, so there's two B, two things with bees. Okay. One, I like beer. I train really hard. I, I mean, I train really hard, um, physically very hard. And so I like to have a glass of beer at the end of the day. I like to go out with my friends and have a glass of beer. And as far as like a cheat food goes or something, the B word is butter tarts. I love those damn things, man. They're so delicious. That's a guilty pleasure for me. And when people see me, they're like, no, you don't like butter tarts. I'm like, I love those things. <laughs> right. So yeah. Beer uh, butter tarts. Yeah, for me, it's pizza or definitely, uh, I'd probably go for anything. I go to movies if I want to. <laughs> yeah, pizza's great, too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. especially the small pizza. You eat those like Tic Tacs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I understand you had uh, um, Chris Hansen on your show um, yeah, a while back. So, yeah, I, I had him on my show, too, and I had he had me on his show. So it's like almost like a three-day dance right there. Yeah, Chris Hansen's a really nice person, good martial artist. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, I know he wants to invite me to his um studio and train because I know he lives near Toronto and there's like a big um like there's a bakery that does make giant slices. So I want to go there at least try to get a giant slice. Do it. And if you're going, let me know. I'll go meet you there. We'll all train together. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. He's close to me too. He's only about 45 minutes from me. Yeah. Yeah, make sure I go down there early because, no, that traffic down in Toronto is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah streets are so narrow, it's easy pickings for an accident. <laughs> 100%. <Yeah. laughs> All right. Uh, what famous movie would you want to be in? Oh, man. 
I don't know. Do you know the movie 13 Assassins? I don't know how famous it is, but uh, it's a Japanese subtitled movie, um, 13 Assassins. And it's basically about these 13 samurai that are pulled together to go and uh, assassinate this one political leader because the political leader is, he's just crazy, man. Like he's just like a terrible human being. And so they have to intercept him before he gets to his destination, because if he gets to his destination, he's going to have even more power and more control. And so it's just this assembly of these 13 samurai who all have, you know, you they're all tough guys, but they all have these different unique skill sets. And they kind of, they turn this one village into like a battleground because they know this guy has to come through and it's just the melee ensues. And, uh, in the end, like it's it's kind of a one of those uh, tragedies, right? Like nobody nobody makes it out alive. But uh, I'd love to be in that movie because they all had a higher purpose. They were all highly skilled, and they all used their skill for that higher purpose. Go watch it, Thirteen Assassins. You'll yeah. love it. Yeah, and another movie I was thinking about is Forty Seven Ronins. Yeah, because that was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I like the one. Uh, there, I can't. I think there's a version of the 47 Ronin called Last Last Nights. And it actually has Morgan Freeman in it and another actor. And they've made it more like medieval, but it follows the storyline more accurately. I've uh, I've actually been to the graveyard of the 47 Ronin in Japan. I've been oh. there. Yeah, I've knelt down at every one of their grave sites mm-hmm. and burnt incense at every one of their grave sites. Mm. With both of my teachers, with my karate teacher and my sword teacher. Mm. Yeah. So that'd be something on my bucket list. At least go to Japan. Do it, man. It's crazy. It's just, you go into that temple and it's just crazy when you walk in there. The feeling that it's still and quiet. And yeah, if you understand the history of that, definitely need to go check it out. Yeah. And I know the movie kind of exaggerated what the 47 Rodents is, but you know, nevertheless, it was a good movie. Yeah. 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 John Reeves. Good Canadian guy, John Wick. Oh yeah, I have high respects for him. I mean, other than him being like Bill and Ted um, gimmick, but Matrix, uh, John Wick, and then of course Forty Seven Ronins. I mean, I'd be surprised if I run into him like in a Comic Con or even and on the street because I know he's a humble kind of guy. Definitely a humble guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh yeah. Speaking of uh, which uh, dream celebrity encounter? Uh, honestly, you're gonna have it. Like if I like. Chuck Norris is the goat for me. Like I would so love to be able to somehow interact with him, bump into him, meet him, spend a day with him. Um, You know, my hero is Muhammad Ali. Like if I could, if there's any person on the face of the earth that I could spend one day with from morning until night, it would be Muhammad Ali. I would, I I just, him as an athlete, but also as a human being, um, how principled he was, I, I just, love that person. But right now on the earth, it's Chuck Norris. If I could spend a day with Chuck Norris, it would be so cool. I'm so jealous of you that you get to go test in front of him. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mostly with um, the master rank induction ceremony, it's like, it's more of like a celebration. So it's not a test, but I could say the test is trying to get there. So, which means from now until July, you know, I mean, 
you know, for going to Vegas is like roughly expensive, but you know, I'm really challenging myself to make sure to save enough money. And, you know, definitely I want my father to actually see this because I'm bringing him with me. And yeah, so I know it's tough, like what you're, we you lost your father, but you know, I just still think about my father, um, at least being there, seeing me progress, you know, I want him to see it in full, not just uh, watching a couch, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, he's in his um, late 60s. I mean, pretty much we're 30 years apart and, you know, you know, going through back surgery, you know, retired and but still working. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm happy for you that you're you're sharing that with your father and I'll be excited to hear how it goes. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe if you catch on uh, Facebook or even um, Instagram, you know, I might do my victory run. So, yeah. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, all right. Uh what would you say your future plans is like 10 years from now? So listen, it's funny. That's uh, about five years ago. I sat down with census, you know, and census legacy. And I just talked about like things, you know, and it's all kind of started to unfold. Like it's funny when you're intentional about things and then you write a plan and then you execute on the plan, man, it's funny how you, you just, you're more successful when you you're organized about things. Um, there's another person that's uh, in the last five five years or so who's become very instrumental in my life, and his name is Hanchi John Terrian. And I was riding in a car with him, and he said, uh, you know, Randy, all the work you do right now between – I was 50 at the time. He said between 50 and 65, then you get to enjoy it. You get to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So I do – and I don't think he means by enjoy it, like you stop working, stop training, anything like that. But that's so for my next 10 years, man, I just want to continue to build my dojo. Um, uh, succession planning is very important to me. I'm trying to groom some of my fourth and fifth ends to be able to be in leadership positions so that they can run this this school while I'm not here. And so that then I can go out and influence the broader community. I like teaching seminars. I like going to big events and teaching. I like interacting with people like yourself, going to different clubs, traveling around. Um, so for me, for the next 10 years, that's what it is. It's how can I get my succession plan in place so that when I'm older and I can't do this here anymore, the same way I need to do it, that there's qualified people in place to keep it going. And then how can I go out and experience new things and be around people that I really want to be around and learn from them and teach them and influence and help martial arts as much as I can. Yeah, that's kind of like almost the same journey I'm going through. You no, know, of course, my um, master instructor, I mean, I know he can't do much as uh, he used to do anymore because, you know, I mean, for me, I'm just helping out as much as I can. You know, it's like teaching classes other than that, like learn how to do the business, like take payments or write applications, at least learn that stuff. So in case of, in this case, if he's decided to retire or all of a sudden he passes away. I mean, at least I'm there that knows like how the business works and yet try to continue that legacy. You know, that's probably something that I would probably want to do, you know, other than just working a regular job forever. You know, I can really pretty much put some like do something with the business. Do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so great that at least I know what martial arts is. You know, I've been doing this for at least 26 years, so I definitely have at least somewhat of a plan in my head of what I can do with it. Go do it. So is there any last minute words you'd like to say to the listeners out there before we cut out? Uh, I guess I want to say thank you to you, TJ. Like, thank you. Um, 
for having me on. I do look forward to having you on to our uh, podcast as well. It'll be a fun night. We'll have a good conversation. Um, yeah, anybody who's listening out there, I would say find your passion in life. It, like if you're a martial artist, let's say you're a martial artist and you don't like doing martial arts and you want to be a race car driver, quit martial arts right now and go start driving race cars, right? And if you're doing some other thing and you want to be a martial artist, get in there and do it. But then once you decide to do it, don't make excuses. Don't, right? Consistency is the key and discipline. Being disciplined to bring yourself to the place, no matter how you feel, you're feeling tired, go. You're feeling energetic, go. You're having a good day, go. You're having a bad day, go. That's, I guess, a message that I would, you know, to do great things, you have to train hard. You gotta, you gotta, for great results, takes great effort. Um, anything that's important takes work and nothing good comes from comfort, right? You have yeah. to be uncomfortable to grow. Yeah. So that's pretty much sound like me. Like I'm coming from a knee injury and I'm so geared up to getting back in the pro wrestling. So yeah, I mean, I'm not trying to make that same mistake to get injured, but you know, I'm back trying to come up with every different plan to not get injured and right. at least go on with the so i mean that i become like a loving with pro wrestling i've been a fan of wrestling since four years old so i never thought to this day i'd actually be doing it but yeah uh. well i can't wait to talk to you about that too oh yeah definitely uh, all right all right so we're gonna close out here so uh for those who are uh, just joining me for the first time, uh, make sure you tune on to my previous episodes on BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll catch you next time for another episode here at the Kick Pie Podcast. This is your host, TJ Williams, bowing you out. <laughs> <laughs>